psychologist, noted psychologist, named Abraham Maslow. And Maslow created, back in the uh, 1900s, the 20th century, created what is known as the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And what Maslow said in that hierarchy of needs and creating this hierarchy and his studies of human nature and the things that motivate us and propel us, that the first and most basic thing that we uh, have to attend to in our lives is physiological. We have to have bread. We have to be able to breathe air, water, the basics of life. We have to have those things. He continued on. He said, if you don't have that, then you, you're never going to find safety, security, uh, employment, uh, that once your basic need is taken care of, then you begin to think about other things. How are you going to take care of that? And then if you don't have uh, bread and you don't have a sense of safety, it's going to be hard for you to connect with other people, have friendship, family, sexual intimacy, a sense of belonging. Uh, you won't be able to achieve that. You'll be too focused on the basics. Where am I going to get bread today? And then as he progressed up, esteem, self-esteem, confidence, achievement, respect for others, respect by others, that that is uh, in the hierarchy of things. It's not something you think about until these other needs are met. And then finally, the idea of self-actualization or the idea that uh, you have time to problem solve, you have time to uh, be concerned about others, process information, and uh, make a, a great contribution to the well-being of others. But in that hierarchy, Maslow said, you go nowhere if that's not taken care of. You have to have bread to eat. So perhaps it should not surprise us that the first temptation that Jesus faced was at that basic level of need. Uh, Scripture says he was famished, he was starving, he had been in the wilderness for 40 days, wandering. He needed something to eat. He needed to have that basic need taken care of. And it was at that basic level, and this whole temptation story speaks to us about Jesus, not Jesus the Christ, who was to be the Christ, but Jesus who could identify with every single thing that we identify with, even our most basic need, the need for food. So the temptation comes to him, use your power, feed yourself. And Jesus, of course, responds, while it may be true that we have that basic need of bread for survival, man, people don't live by bread alone.
people live by every word that God presents to them. Remember how John describes Jesus in the very first chapter of his gospel. Jesus is the word that comes to us. Jesus is the word who becomes flesh. Jesus is God's word to us, God's sermon to us, if you will, through Jesus' life. So when Jesus says, you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes to you from the mouth of God. The best, the greatest, the most defining word that we receive is Jesus Christ in our life. The word become flesh, the word that comes to us. And Jesus, even in identifying and resisting this temptation to fulfill his basic need for food, through his life and teaching remind us that that basic need is an obligation that we as believers have to try to to fulfill, to try to uh, address in the lives of others. So in literature, in song, over centuries, there has been the the idea, what what does a person do? What, What might a person do? If his basic needs aren't met. So in Les Miserables. uh, Jean Valjean. If you remember something of that story. Jean Valjean. The beginning of that uh, great novel. Is arrested. Is imprisoned for years. Because he's stealing bread. For his family. For himself. Years he spends in prison because that need wasn't met. He resorted to stealing, but it begs the question, what do do we do, we who have, who refuse to give or ignore? If you remember, as the story progresses and Valjean finally gets out of prison... Uh, He's taken in by the church, and he steals from the church. And if you remember the response, once he's arrested, once he's caught, he's brought back to the church. Because he claims that the church has given him all the things that he has stolen. And the police bring him back to the church for confirmation of the story. Fully expecting that the story will not be confirmed. And, then, and the priest who addresses the officers and Valjean says, of, of course we gave him everything. But there's one thing, there's one thing you forgot. You forgot to take the thing, the very thing that is the most expensive, the most valuable in all the church. And he gets those, those candlesticks, those gold candles, and he gives them to Valjean. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And part of the word of God, a clear word that God gives to us is we need to take care of each other. The Irish anthem, the fields of Athenry, deal with the same problem. A person who's stolen 
As the lyrics to the song goes, I stole Trevelyan's corn so the young, in other words, that man's kids, might see the morn. We didn't have anything to eat. As the song, the anthem goes, because of this man's desire to fulfill this basic need and the ignorance, the sin of people around him who won't do anything to help him, he gets on a prison, prison ship and is taken away for simply trying to fulfill a basic need. We don't live by bread alone, but by the word that comes to us from God's mouth. There is no more clear word than the word become flesh, Jesus Christ. So Jesus can say in Matthew, later in the gospel, in the 25th chapter, the 41st verse, you remember the first part, and the first part is the part we like to focus on. Uh, when, we, when do we uh, serve and when do we see Jesus? When we do this to the least of these. But Jesus continues, if you're at my left hand, then he will say to those at his left hand, you are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, if you ignore me. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you did nothing to relieve that thirst. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will say to them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to life. First temptation, bread for the hungry. Bread for those who are starving. It's a temptation that Jesus uh, resisted, but also a temptation that he makes clear that if we have the means to help somebody else who's facing that temptation, if we have the means to help them, then by the word of God become flesh, we need to do that. Second temptation, testing God. test is basically, uh, well, if you're, the, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, then, then jump off the cliff and nothing will happen to you. The angels will lift you up and carry you away. And Jesus says, uh, that's not, not how we relate to God. That's not what we do. We don't throw down test to God. God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. I watched a show on, uh, I think it was on the Travel Channel the other night. I don't know when it was, 1 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was. But it, it, was, uh, it was the best swimming holes in the world. And top 10 swimming holes in the world. And, and interestingly enough, there was like a, every 30 minutes there was a top 10 swimming holes in the world. And I thought, well, there's got to be at least, it's not top 10, there's at least 100 of these things around, around the world. But every, in every case, you can see... People are doing crazy things, jumping off these uh, high places into these uh, 
into the uh, water below, hopefully the water below, and not, not rocks underneath the water below. But the idea of, of doing, testing God. Making bargains with God. Oh God, if you'll do this, if if you'll make me, if you'll heal me, if you'll make me well, if you'll if you'll do that, then I'll do this for you. Haven't done anything up to this point, but if you'll do this, then I'll do do that. Now, I've heard stories, and you probably have heard stories also. In fact, one of the great testimonies that I've ever heard, and you've, I've shared in this church before, was by one of my professors, my professor of evangelism, a man named Delos Miles. And as a 17-year-old, and you heard me right, a 17-year-old fighting in the Korean War, because he'd enlisted when he was 16, he lied about his age, in order to get out of a, a terrible home situation, and finds himself in, in Korea in a bunker uh, that's in a position that's been overrun by the Chinese. And he's lying, lying there in the bunker with uh, a dead, two other dead people and one person he thought was dead that hadn't died yet, but he pulled one of those dead people over his body and he prayed to God, God, if you'll save me from this, I'll give my life to you. Uh, Chinese came into the bunker and started randomly firing to make sure everybody was dead. And they, uh, they hit him in the hand. They noticed a little bit of, of movement. And then they put a gun to his head. And they fired. And uh, miraculously, the, the bullet uh, or the barrel of the gun apparently moved, but it did not penetrate his skull, Dr. Miles' skull. It grazed the side of his head. And he laid there all night with Chinese soldiers in the, in the bunker, as still as he could possibly be. Uh, playing dead. The next morning, he, uh, the uh, Chinese had abandoned the position. He got up to leave. He noticed the guy that uh, one of the guys that he thought was dead was still moving. He put him on his back, and for 15 miles, he carried uh, that person to safety. Uh, when he finally reconnected with. Uh, his own company. So it begs the question, is, it, is that a test? Did Miles put God to the test, or was it a plea from the heart? God, I hadn't done, because he said, God, I hadn't done what I was supposed to do. But I sure would like the chance to do better. Give me that chance. And God did. Testing God, however, I'm not going to do anything. You prove to me that you're God. That's the question that's asked by Satan. You prove it. If you're the son of God, you do this. Rather than God, I want to know your son, Jesus Christ. I haven't known him. Hadn't paid much attention to him. But I want to. I want to repent. I want to do things differently. 
Give me that chance. Get me out of that bunker. Give me a chance. And by the grace of God, whether it's in eternity, the eternity God promises us, or whether it's right here and now, by the grace of God, we always have that chance. God gives us that chance through Christ Jesus. The third temptation, idolatry. Uh, If Jesus standing before all the kingdoms of the world were told, if you're the son of God, and the if is gone now. The devil says, I'll give you this. I promise you this, everything. You'll remember the story of the Hebrews in the wilderness having been delivered by God, having received food, the basics, while they're wandering in the wilderness, having come to the mountain and having seen their leader, Moses, go up the mountain. And he didn't come back fast enough. And so they began to wander. Their hearts began to wander. And so of all people, they ask Aaron, Moses' brother, you know, uh, Moses isn't here, and I, this, you know, we're out here, and maybe God did something, and maybe he didn't, but we need to see something. We need to have something we can hold on to. And, and so they ask Aaron, to build them a golden calf. So Aaron collects all the gold, everything they've got, and he melts it down and he builds the golden calf calf for them. And they worship. Something, something that they thought would bring them peace, deliverance, assurance of God's presence. And we are tempted to do the same thing. Although our calf is not golden, or at least we're told it's golden, but our calf, uh, more often than not, is presented as a bull. It's on Wall Street. The promise of everything. You You can have it all. It can be yours. Invest properly. Benefit properly from your investments. You can have it. Boy, and too often we lay down at that altar in worship. Jesus says... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Regardless of whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Well, the three temptations that are made. Three temptations that are rejected. I think that uh, in that story... 
the author of Hebrews captures the moment as well as any of the uh, writers in the New Testament. In the 15th chapter of the fourth, or in the fifth, fourth chapter, excuse me, 15th verse of Hebrews. Speaking of Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We've got a Savior who has been an advocate who's walked through the paths and the temptations that we've walked through. But we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, the author continues, approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in every time of need. That is what Jesus Christ has given to us. The gift that is ours. The grace that we know. The strength to resist temptation and the encouragement to help other people when we see there's need. Let's pray. God, we thank you for... uh, Grace, mercy, example that we see in Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray that in our weakness, we might walk in the way of Christ and be given through the power of the Holy Spirit the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.